0: Just because it's a new year doesn't really mean anything has changed, has it? As it tells us in Ecclesiastes nine, what has been is and what has been done will continue to be done. There's nothing new under the sun. And there's really not. Sometimes we think there is, sometimes we go to the grocery store and it says new and improved, you know. So, why did they sell me the old one, right? <laughs> if this one's so much better. But anyway, things stay the same. And that's, that's what I want us to look at. And what I want all of you all to remember, just like, the, just like the, the song that the choir just sang, if you seek the king, if that's what you're doing, everything's going to be okay. It really is. <laughs> And I I know there are, on many levels, some of us enter into the year with uneasiness about the future. Well, that's about a waste of time, right? Because nobody knows what's in the future anyway, except God. The the proper stance for us to take, as I hope you will be able to glean out of our scripture reading and a few words that I say this morning, somewhat before we break bread, is that God is in charge God's always been in charge God always will be in charge and when we rest in God's goodness and grace things are taken care of the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing but we have to believe that and we have to live as though we believe that So this morning, we're going to read about a few people that did that. And our scripture reading this morning is that classic epiphany text out of Exodus chapter 2. Consider the word of the Lord. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse for the, from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. His name was Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, creator of the heavens and the earth, guide us all in this new year that we would seek your will in all our ways and show your love to those who so desperately need it in this world. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. We gotta go back a chapter to to lay a little foundation here. If we start with chapter one of Exodus there at the first part of it, it talks about how Joseph you know, Joseph was responsible for getting his family down into Egypt anyway. How Joseph and his brothers had all died. And there was a new Pharaoh, and he didn't know Joseph or who he was or what he had done for Egypt. Because Joseph really not only had saved his people, he had saved Egypt through his wise efforts as the Second only to Pharaoh in Egypt, and because of his efforts, they were a thriving civilization still. But the new king had forgotten him. But I want you. I, I, there's 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 an interesting thing here. At the end, or they're about verse six or so of Exodus chapter one. It talks about what God told us to do in the first place. Take us back to Genesis. What's the first commandment? Be fruitful and multiply. That's the first commandment. And it says there in Exodus chapter 1 that the people of Israel were fruitful and multiplied. They did what God had told them to do. But there was a problem with that, right? Pharaoh freaked out. He thought they were going to become too strong and that they would be a threat to his empire, all those people there. So the scripture tells us he put taskmasters over them and they became slaves. They became slaves and he oppressed them and asked for them to make more and more bricks with less and less materials. And all that. But, you see, but also we read there, you see what happened? When they were oppressed, they became strong. Throughout history, the church has always thrived under oppression. It seems like one of those paradoxical things. I guess it is one of those paradoxical things. But the church has always thrived under oppression, not the other way around. Pharaoh didn't like what he saw, so he called the Pharaoh midwives. Now, I want you all to remember these women. Say to yourself, I'll never forget Shifra and Puah. I'll never forget Shifra and Puah. Because Pharaoh said, if it's a baby girl that's born, that's okay. But if it's a baby boy, kill it. There's nothing new under the sun. All right? But, It tells us there that Shiphrah and Puah feared God. And they ignored what the king said. They ignored what Pharaoh said. So at this point, Pharaoh says, well, to all the Egyptians, whenever you see a Hebrew child that's born, a boy, just chunk it in the river. Kill it. Now, Pharaoh, you know, This this is one of those great ironies that's in scripture or that we see in life sometimes. We have all these these great plans. Pharaoh thinks, Well, all I got to do is kill all the boys and I'll be okay. What a bonehead. You know? Look at what happens here it's the women that overthrow his plans entirely, even some of those of his own household, but we won't go there, right? So it says there that Pharaoh questioned Shifra and Puah, and they said, well, you know, these Israelite women, these Hebrew women, aren't like the Egyptian women. When they have a baby, they just have that sucker, you know, and uh, these, these Egyptian women you know, they get in labor for days and days. They want their Pitocin and everything else, you know. But uh, but those Hebrew women, they have them, and we can't get there in time to kill the baby boys. Now, isn't it interesting, though, isn't it interesting, talking about what has been, uh, you know, what has been will be done again. In the scripture reading that Sally read out of Matthew chapter two this morning, about the magi coming to visit baby Jesus Herod did the same thing didn't he he felt a threat to his throne so he said all the all the baby boys under 2 should be killed hmm. the more things stay the same the more they change or vice versa whatever then it says after she had hidden the baby as for three months, which was as long as she could, I don't know if it was because he was crying too much or what. She waterproofed a basket and put him in the reeds down by the river, floated him down there. Now, here's another thing. You know, I I have children. Rebecca and I have children and grandchildren now. You know, and our kids, this you know, they think they're they 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 think they're you know. They put these baby monitors on these babies, right? We didn't have baby monitors, we had ears. But anyway, they've got the you know, they've got television cameras in there, you know, if the if the, if the if the child hiccups, you know, they notify the police or whatever. But look at this, but look at this. It's not a new idea. Moses' mother sent his sister, Miriam, out there to watch him. So she had a baby monitor, even back then, in ancient Egypt. Right? One could argue she even had a better baby monitor. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. Pharaoh's daughter. Have you noticed? We got the we got the midwives who don't kill the baby boys. We've got Moses' mother, who waterproofs a basket to put him in. We got his sister and we got Pharaoh's daughter. We got five women. They are absolutely blowing Pharaoh's plans, right? And they didn't even blatantly conspire to do it. Remember, don't ever forget, God's in charge. God is in charge, you know? It doesn't matter what people try to do to thwart God's plans. And Pharaoh's daughter, you know, there's an unlikely there's an unlikely suspect for carrying out God's will, isn't she? When you really stop and think about it, we need to all take a sober look at that and remind ourselves that we don't know what's going on. We don't know who is acting in God's behalf or in God's will. So she says to Moses' sister find one of those Hebrew women to be wet nurse to this child of course she goes to her mother talk about God's grace right she gets paid for raising her child i would have liked to get in, gotten in on that deal you know but she gets paid for raising her own child and then and then what happens moses is raised as pharaoh's grandson that's what happens. Do you ever think about that? If you watch, I don't know, the Ten Commandments or whatever, if you see some celluloid version of the Bible, or, or sometimes these things sort of slip by us. What if, what if Moses had lived and he had just been a regular brickmaker? When it came time for God's people to be led out of Egypt. What do you think if some scrungy brick maker, you know, with straw coming out of his mouth and mud on his fingers, came up to Pharaoh and said, Hey, Pharaoh, let my people go, right? Pharaoh probably would have dropped one of those stones like they make the pyramids out of on top of him, right? And that would have been the end of that. But Moses had favor with Pharaoh because of the way he was raised. And of course, I believe he never thought about that while he was growing up. Pharaoh never thought that this guy would probably, would grow up to be his archenemy there in his household. He was raised as his grandson, you know. Talk about prevenient grace. Wow, amazing, amazing thing. And then, The other thing about this is, look at at who names Moses. Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter is the one that names Moses. I drew him out. I drew him out of the water. That's That's what Moses means. When you go through the waters, I will deliver you, all right? Isaiah tells us that in Isaiah chapter 43, I think. When you go through the waters, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And again, that's the message I want you all to get on this first Sunday of the year to go out throughout the year with, throughout the year with. I want you to be at peace. I want the peace of God which passes all understanding to be in each and every one of you. And I think you can if you stop and you consider Moses. Consider Jesus. Both of them were absolutely vulnerable infants. Both of them had the government try to kill them, right? And both of them delivered their people, right? Because God's in charge, God's sovereign. Like it tells us in Proverbs 16.33, it says what? It says, the lot is cast into the lap, but the disposition thereof is in the hands of the Lord. It's in the hands of the Lord. So whatever it is that might be preoccupying you, stop it. Let it go. Let it go. As you come to the table this morning, I want you to ask God for something. You know, there's all sorts of grace available at this table more than we'll ever imagine, more than we could ever believe or use for that matter. But I want you to ask God to give you the peace that passes all understanding that the world can neither give or take away. Amen.